0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, because we live. We, live. we live. Beating the Golden State Warriors is wild, but to l- watch and to read the comments from Golden State and the Hornets on the game itself is even weirder to see how it followed. The Hornets are three and three now on the season and Golden State is one and five. And Doug, I don't know if you read the comments after the game, but Eric Paschal, first off, who? second Second of all, Eric Paschal said, quote, I feel like we took a good step in the right direction as a team. Speaking on behalf of Golden State, who loses to the Charlotte Hornets? Terry Rozier said, quote, I feel like we didn't come out and treat it like we were playing the Lakers or Clippers just because of everything that's happened over there. We found a way to win. It was ugly, but we were able to pull it out in the end. Steve Kerr actually was somewhat positive, even though they lost to the Charlotte Hornets. He said, quote, our guys played fantastic basketball and fought like crazy. And then their coach decided to screw things up at the end. We were right there. A couple things at the end, If we could have executed a little bit better, and if I maybe made a couple of decisions, I think we would have been in good shape. Tough one, but I'm really, really proud of the group. What universe are we in right now? It's the Charlotte Hornets that all of these comments are surrounding. It's the Golden State Warriors all of these comments are surrounding. And Doug, after six games, after that brutal West Coast trip that we all paid attention to once the schedule was released, after six games, the Hornets are three and three with their last victory coming against golden state
1: yeah we're in an alt history universe alt history all the rage right now for all mankind on apple tv plus you've got that show going on you've got the Watchmen on hbo all doing a version of alt history and that's what we're in we're in this bizarro universe where the golden state warriors are scoring what 87 points they're losing to the charlotte hornets they're starting guys named eric pascal jordan Poole, kai bowman um, and they're losing basketball games. And this was an this was an alt universe for the Charlotte Hornets too, because in this game, uh, Walker they had eleven turn or excuse me thirteen turnovers that only resulted in eleven turnover points for the Golden State Warriors. That's a total reversal of what we've seen this season from the Charlotte Hornets. They've been very turnover prone. Also, they couldn't shoot the basketball very well in this game. They went five of twenty nine. They started the game one of sixteen from beyond the arc. They finished 5 of 29. This is a team that's been, that was before this game, the number one three-point shooting team in the NBA. They fall now to five. But uh, this was a total reversal of fortunes for the Charlotte Hornets as well, who were lucky to escape with a victory against the the Warriors. Took some savvy play at the end from Cody Martin.
0: Yeah, it, you mentioned the three-point shooting. It's covered up a lot of flaws for the Charlotte Hornets, but not in this game. And you mentioned the turnovers that they had. They're, they had been plentiful, and now you look at what they did. Devontae Graham was the, the biggest offender, having five turnovers, and that's something that's weird. It, a, a game that was not indicative of what we had seen to this point, right? Devonte Graham had done a very good job of taking care of the basketball, just like he did last year. And also he had shot the hell out of the ball. Well, in this one, this was probably a second worst game to the LA Lakers game. He was pressing. Go, it, he was, he was bad. And he was one of 13 in that Lakers game. He was one of eight. in this one missed all the three point shots. He attempted got eight rebounds, which is impressive did get six assists. I Oh, three assists, excuse me, and had five turnovers. And yeah, so just a weird game for all of these guys. And Dwayne Bacon not playing well this entire season. We went through some of the graphics that some different analytic measurements pointed out. Cleaning the glass had him in, and what was it, the second percentile of all wings in the NBA. We we did the total points added metric out by NBA math. You had count, well, hold
1: on, you counted him for dead. You were leaving Dwayne Bacon for dead. You were leaving a man behind. I stepped in and said, I believe in Dwayne Bacon. (laughs) I believe that he was going to come in and have a bounce back game. And look what he did.
0: He had a bounce back half. And so it was a good first half. Second half, he goes four of 12. You would like to see him have two good halves of a game, but at least... He did come up with a pretty good line ten of twenty one we had been speaking a lot about dwayne bacon and the fact that he needed to improve quite a bit offensively and even defensively it just offensively it was so bad that's what we were focusing on and you know what he came in in the first half and got started off right six rebounds for him ten of twenty one like we said but I, I thought dwayne bacon he he got to the he got to the cup and he only had a couple three point shots that he attempted got to the free throw line a little bit more still not an amazing rate considering all the time he goes to the basket, only five attempts from the free throw line, but at least he made all of them in a game where free throws were missed by all. And it almost had them lose this game. But Dwayne Bacon, Doug, that's probably the story. Dwayne Bacon having a good game after being so bad early on.
1: Well, Dwayne Bacon and Terry Rozier were both extremely aggressive driving to the rim and they were making shots around the rim and that benefited them. That benefited the team because the Golden State Warriors were attacking three-point shooters. And it was clear that that was Steve Kerr's game plan coming into this game. All right, these guys are are, are hot right now from beyond the arc. We're going to chase them off the line the whole game. If we lose the the battle for the paint, fine. But we're not going to let these guys beat us from the three-point line and to the Hornets' credit, they were able uh, to adjust instead of just completely take themselves out of the game by continuing to heave up three-point shots. They were able uh, to drive to the rim and, and finish. And that's why it's good to have a guy like Dwayne Bacon around because if his offense is going, he's a guy that you can reliably uh, 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 reliably count on for a bucket around the rim.
0: Yeah, that was the storyline for sure of this game was Dwayne Bacon. And you mentioned Terry Rogier. That's two good games in a row for Terry. And Doug, I think if you look at this, this Charlotte Hornets team as a whole. There's not a whole lot more you could ask for on the positive side after the first five games, right? Heading into this game against Golden State, when you look back at the first five, I thought, you know what? PJ Washington has been really good. Everybody has been good except for Dwayne and even Terry Rogier. Like it seemed like those were the biggest negatives of the Charlotte Hornets, and they both come out and establish themselves early. Terry Rogier even has a clutch basket at the end of this one and is able to at least make the last free throw he attempts. Dwayne Bacon gets started early so out of the two things that were probably the biggest negatives considering everything else and considering the context it was good to see both Terry and Dwayne Bacon have I think what most people would consider a good game
1: you're getting consistent scoring now from Terry Rozier in the last two wins for the Charlotte Hornets he's tallied 20 or more points that's actually the first time in his career uh, that he has tallied 20 more in consecutive outings which a little hard to believe for me because he is so focused on scoring and he did have significant time starting for the Boston Celtics at, at different points in his career. So that's a little, that's a little odd to me that he has not been able to get 20 point games back to back, but he does here uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. And, and that's certainly a good thing because this team uh, is going to have nights where they are not very good from beyond the arc and they need to manufacture offense. And Terry Rozier can do that in the half court. He can also do that in transition, and we saw him, we saw him do that in the past two games. Uh, but I think Terry's still trying to figure things out, right? I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's new to this team. You can really see it when he engages in pick-and-roll plays with Cody Zeller. They're still trying to figure out exactly what – each of them is supposed to do on pick-and-roll plays. You can see sometimes they get a little tangled up. Cody gets a little too close to Terry on some of these drives. So I think over the course of the season, they're going to figure things out. Um, but Terry is there to facilitate, but I think he's there to score as well. And so this is a positive development for me. He's playing hard. He's uh, recognizing mistakes when he fouls too much, when he fouled too much early in the season and and took himself out of the first couple of games. He went to he went to Coach Parego and said, listen, I'm hacking. And and he corrected it. So uh, it's been positive for me so far from Terry Rozier. Funny you bring up pick and roll.
0: I, I think it was the Chicago Bulls game at the beginning of the season. It might've been a preseason game that I attended, but I thought that Terry Rozier's pick and roll decision-making was shoddy. I thought there were some times he made good plays and I thought there was quite a few times where he did not make the right decision. I thought there were times where he actually tailed Cody Zeller and didn't allow for any spacing on the offensive end. But I do think you're right. You mentioned pick and roll kind of still being a work in progress when Terry Rozier decides to run it with Cody Zeller. And and I think that'll get corrected. I mean, I, I don't. I think Terry Rozier can have a good mind of it, but it was something that I noticed at the beginning of the season. Like I said, it was either Chicago or the preseason. I want to thank our new Patreon members, Luke and Andrew, and thanks to Daniel and Tyler as well for becoming $3 members and getting access to our exclusive podcast, Let the Boys Pontificate and the Restock, which does premiere tomorrow. The Restock is about the shoe game and David Walker. We have the best guy in the business. I love watching all of his tweets that come across my timeline. I, I didn't realize how much of a shoe, uh, the ability that I have within me to also like shoes and you know what, David, that that is hot, man. Keep showing me the good stuff, and you can listen to it on our Patreon page. He's
1: an aficionado. Aficionado.
0: I like it. This is Locked on Hornets presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and you can find the show handle on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. More about the Warriors and Hornets game next on the Locked on Hornets podcast.
1: This is Locked on Hornets so, if you don't believe ones. in the moon landing, mm-hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement?
0: I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing three sixties clockwise <laughs> rather really than counterclockwise. It's
1: really tough. Clockwise. I've tried it. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast.
0: Manscaped is number one in men's below the belt grooming. Get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. Always appreciate Manscaped for coming on. Again, code locked on. All one word. No spaces there. Doug, you mentioned you thought the Hornets made some adjustments coming out at halftime, I believe, or you just mentioned that they did make the adjustments of if if they were getting attacked by the defense to get off of the line, they were doing a good job of hitting shots at the rim. What do you think about the job that James Borrego has done with this young team here we are at three and three I I think you have seen some adjustments in game from Borrego and of course he's one that did seem a lot more comfortable with his role heading into this season
1: yeah he's trying some things right now you can see him uh, put it he put pressure uh, full court pressure on both Sacramento and then you saw full full court trap in the second quarter against Golden State He's messing with Biz's minutes a little bit, using him as a rim protecting mercenary uh, when uh, they when Golden State started attacking with Amari Spellman. Uh, so he's messing with the center rotation a little bit, sometimes to the team's detriment. Uh, but I don't know if that's JB's fault. He's you know he's just got to work with the cards that he has. And then the big adjustment against Golden State, the game winning adjustment, to be perfectly honest, was deciding to put in Cody Martin for some added defense at the end of this game. Cody Martin only tallying a little over four minutes in this game but he made some of the biggest plays in a wild fourth quarter i'll start in the third quarter actually when cody got a few minutes he picks up an amazing uh, charge play as the hornets were trying to get back into the game late third he he saves two points and allows the hornets to pull it within five instead of going in if they had gone into the fourth quarter down ten i'm not sure the hornets win this basketball game and then late in the game, Cody Martin has um, great defense on Eric Pascal. You can say who is he all you want, but he's actually playing really well. He looks like a little. No, he is. Not even a baby Draymond. He just kind of plays like Draymond. I think they've he's just got, got his, the body type. Yeah. Well, in the play, too, just the way he drives to the rim. I mean, he was. I mean, PJ Washington had no shot against him uh, when he was driving to the rim. So Cody Martin actually steps up on a switch, guards Eric Pascal during a a key possession, and then of course he has the knockaway that ends up going off, I believe it was Damian Lee, on one of the final inbounds plays for Golden State and does not allow them to get a shot at taking the lead. Cody Martin stepping up in a big way when Terry Rozier missed some free throws late that could have allowed Golden State to steal this one back against Charlotte. Yeah, legitimately good
0: defense for the rookie that comes in. And it's funny, he only plays credited with only four minutes when you look at the box score. But I thought he did play well, and they were meaningful minutes at the end of that game. And that was awesome to see there are deficiencies on offense. We saw it on full display in summer league when they tried to give him some point guard responsibilities. We know that Cody Martin turned the ball over a little bit too much. We know that the shooting, I believe, is a little spotty and it wasn't necessarily his biggest attribute that helped Nevada when he was playing college basketball. But the defense was more than enough to make up for any deficiencies. And he didn't have any in this game. He didn't have enough opportunities on offense to really hurt you. I think that's a good move. (laughs) And to play defense like he did kudos to him and which is just another good sign for a young team pj washington getting 30 minutes your first round rookie really liking him so far but even your second round rookie Cody Martin coming up with a couple big plays on the defensive side down the stretch
1: and I forgot to mention maybe the biggest one after that uh, turnover on the inbounds play that he forced on Golden State Rozier steps up for free throws the Hornets are up one at this point Rozier misses both free throws and Cody Martin comes up with the rebound on Mm -hmm. a, a missed free throw huge play there uh, then he uh, then Cody Martin misses his second one. Bacon comes up with the rebound. I've criticized Bacon's rebounding, but he comes up with a huge play. And then Martin gets the jump ball with 9.6 seconds left. <laughs> the Hornets, they were just desperately asking Golden State to get back into this game, but they make just enough plays uh, to do it. But, yeah, listen, the the calling card for Cody Martin is defense. The calling card for his twin brother, Caleb, is offense. And yeah, it's, it's nice to see uh, uh, JB using them as like little Swiss Army knives. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned
0: the rebounding. I thought this would be a game coming in that the Hornets could actually win the rebounding battle. The Hornets are going to be smaller than most teams, but against Golden State, that wasn't going to be the case. And sure enough, the Hornets, they win the rebounding battle. They out-rebounded the Golden State Warriors 48 to 40. And then you look at all the starters, how about five rebounds or more for all of the starters? Five for Washington, eight for Bridges, eight for Zeller. That's actually the lowest amount of rebounds that he's had in a game so far this season. I thought he might have the most five and then six. So all the starters and then even uh, Devontae Graham coming in with eight boards coming off the bench. So that was not uh, funny to see. Yeah, funny to see all of those guys be good in that category.
1: But that's huge, Walker. That's mm-hmm. that's how this team has to rebound. And it's going to be difficult, I think, for them to do that night in and night out. And they will probably lose many basketball games this season because they can't have that kind of team rebounding mentality and physicality and Golden State didn't have anyone really of any size that they could throw out there that could challenge the Hornets in that in that area but the Hornets would not be challenged in this game on effort and that's the key because too many in their losses we've seen too many times where they they weren't physical. They didn't have the effort necessary. It wasn't five guys looking for the defensive board. It was Cody Zeller gobbling up rebounds and nobody else trying. Uh, there was a play in the second quarter. I thought it was going to go. I wrote it down as a key play in my notebook if they would have lost this game. 9.33 to go. They were down seven points at this point. They were not shooting the basketball well. They forced two misses on Golden State during a Golden State run and they couldn't come up with the ball and Malik Monk let uh, Damian Lee go uncontested on a three-point shot just late to react. And it's just those kind of plays that are frustrating to watch. They're even more frustrating in a winnable game like this one. But you're going to see those type of plays throughout the season. It's going to keep them, I think, from, you know, a 500 record ultimately, even though they have one now.
0: Yeah, what does that mean, Doug? So, I mean, we look at the Hornets, they're three and three. I thought Nick Denning... Previously of at the hive, I think he said something smart on Twitter where he was like, look, Kimba Walker, if he's still leading this team and they're three and three after that West Coast trip, mm-hmm. I'll take it. Yep. <laughs> I'll take it after that. I We had the conversation. I believe it was on Friday. Are the Hornets going to win too much? I still don't think that's going to happen. We no. thought that they would win this game and Hornets were actually favored heading into this game because of all of the injuries that the Golden State Warriors have suffered but you look at the Hornets, they're three and three. They beat the bulls who got off to an awful start. They've lost some really bad games so far. They beat the Kings who got off to an awful start Mm -hmm. have lost some really bad games so far. And the same thing can be said about golden state. Good for the Hornets to capitalize on all of that. It's a young team. I'm not going to apologize. We can feel really good about this record. Totally. I think, I think most people, are happy with the way that the young talent has improved and actually played well enough to win these games. And if you're winning that only we had this conversation. If you're winning, that only means that your young guys look to be doing their job. But it's got to come downhill at some point. I ask you what your expectations are.
1: Well, to me, I think this three and three record and how the games have played out is actually best case scenario through the first six games for the Charlotte Hornets. Because, I would agree. because they're getting some wins early that are going to boost the confidence of the young players. And you're seeing young players step up that you were surprised to see step up in Devontae Graham and P.J. Washington. But the way they're winning games is really strange and not consistent. And you're seeing mistakes sprinkled all throughout the different quarters. And, and that's evidence that... This, I think, is, is not going to last. I mean, just look at what happened against Golden State. You go up against a team. All of their all-stars are hurt. They can't hurt you in that way. They're going to come out with energy as well. And then you, you do some things that you haven't done all season. You limit turnovers. You limit second chance points. You actually rebound the basketball well. And you keep the other team out of the paint. The Hornets won the, the battle for the paint, 56 points to 34 points. And you still almost lose the game. And and so to me, that is evidence that you're still dealing with a young basketball team that eventually they're going to drop four, five, six straight because they're just not going to be able to get right. And, And that's going to be the story of the season ultimately. But it's nice to see them get some early confidence and for the young players to play well. That's what you want.
0: Miles Bridges was not very good in this game. And before we go to break, he, he was one of 10 from the field. So just a, a really bad offensive night for him. And I thought Miles had had a couple of solid games in a row. I feel like we're kind of forgetting about Miles, right? Which is kind of funny. I don't know. Tell me if you feel the same way. PJ Washington comes in and has a crazy fire game against Chicago. He's been shooting exceptionally well from the field. He's shooting above 50% from both the field and three point land. And we had all this conversation about Dwayne Bacon. Of course, it wasn't the attention that he wanted, but we're having a lot of conversation about him. I feel like Malik Monk kind of took our attention for a while. Devontae Graham certainly took our attention the way that he was playing. And it just seems like miles bridges were not talking about him a whole lot. And I'd I don't think it's been bad. I don't think he's been horrific the way that he's played. There have been some bad games, but to me, it was just, this was the guy that I thought we were going to pay attention to most along with the PJ Washington. And I feel like he's been what the fourth
1: or fifth talking point so far this season. What do you think? Well, he simply has to shoot the basketball better in order to be an effective member of this starting lineup. Um, That's number one. Number two, on the other end of the floor, there were several times against Golden State where he just absolutely, 100% fell asleep on defense and did not... I mean, you could point to several plays in that game where Golden State got past the first defender and there was literally no one at the rim. And, and it was Miles Bridges on the responsibility for the help defense and just wasn't there. And he has to be there. I mean, he he has to be one of their better two-way players uh, on this team because he has the ability. We know he has the ability. Uh, I thought he was the worst performer, and and that's saying a lot because Devontae Graham was not very good in this basketball game and, and turned it over a ton. Um, but at least Devontae was out there trying to make plays, whereas I feel like uh, Miles Bridges, you were getting bad shooting and bad defense the whole way, and I think you you will have to wonder all season how P.J. Washington starting... Is, is going to affect him and his ability to find a role on this offense. Hornets that's, have a three. That's my thought. Oh, <laughs> Hornets laid have, it down. Yeah. Deal it with seemed that. Like
0: you, it seemed like you wanted to say something else. I was ready for it.
1: Three-game And, game and where are the dunks? Where are the dunks? This is Miles yeah. Bridges we're talking about. Where, where are the highlight plays? What's going on there? What, is, it, is it schematic? Are we not doing something? Mean, they're not running a lot of plays for him. I'll say that, too. Mm-hmm. They're not yep. running a lot well, of things to get him going to to the rim, so maybe some of this is on JB as well to 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 make some plays happen uh, to get him going towards the rim. All right, Hornets have
0: the Pacers at home on Tuesday. They have the Boston Celtics. Kimba Walker comes back to town on Thursday, and then they uh, have on Saturday the New Orleans Pelicans three game homestand. We'll preview that coming up here on the Locked On Hornets podcast.
1: This is Locked On Hornets develop winning habits you know what winning habits are scoring things in the box score that's what winning habits are you compete <laughs> rebounds when you, assists. yeah when you compete points. you get rebounds when you compete you get assist when you compete you score points it's not you about effort the it's about competing <laughs> hey you want to be back on the show I baby got you want to be back Doug. on the show this is me it's time for more of the locked on
0: hornets podcast The third segment rolls along and I see Doug kind of lean back in his chair, put his feet up a little bit and ever so subtly open up his little black notebook and start looking at it like almost in a way that it, he didn't mean to be subtle. He was trying to get my attention. Like, Hey, if you want, I've got some leftovers in my little black notebook. I saw the, I saw the pose, Doug. You, it was kind of powerful, but kind of subtle. Just seemed like you wanted my attention. Are there any leftovers that you want to mention before we end today's show about the golden state game?
1: God, I love leftovers, by the way, huge leftover guy.
0: Not really for me, not a big leftover guy. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, it depends on what it is, but I'm really not that big of a leftover guy. I'll eat it because I don't have, I mean, it's going to save money and I don't have a whole lot of options, there but you go. man, I'd much rather have fresh food.
1: Oh man. Dinner, dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. Now Thanksgiving
0: leftovers they're great the mashed potatoes are always really tough to heat up and make sure that everything is evenly heated but there's a lot of good Thanksgiving leftovers like I get excited about that but that's about it
1: uh, the only thing I really didn't get to in this game uh, was I think another key decision by JB we've been lathering JB with compliments in this game and I think they're mostly they're mostly deserved um, I think that he made a great adjustment in the in that run in the third quarter that they had, they started running a lot of pick-and-pop plays between Devontae Graham and Marvin Williams. And Golden State, they were being aggressive with Devontae Graham, especially on those screen and rolls because he has been so hot, especially pulling up from beyond the arc. So they saw that, and they started getting the ball to Marvin Williams uh, at, at the top of the three-point line, and he was delivering. And so props to Marvin for for dropping it because normally – Marvin's a guy that's going to be weak side. You're driving strong side and you find him in the corner. That's normally, it's it sort of, it was a reversion back to what we were used to seeing from Marvin maybe three years ago when they would run a lot of those pick and pop plays for him at the top. Um, so that was fun to see and it worked. Marvin drilled a couple of threes when nobody else could and they weren't paying attention to Marvin. So, I mean, you know, Kerr has a really tough job, by the way, of, of trying to win basketball games with this poo poo platter. And maybe he gets some help because D'Angelo Russell probably sat out of this game for for maybe his ankle is really hurt, but it could have been a load management thing. He'll probably get Draymond Green back soon. So it won't be all terrible, but he's got a hell of a job ahead of him coaching. But on that night, at least, I think JBL coached Kerr.
0: And Marvin Williams, by the way, hit three three-pointers in a night where the Hornets only made five. He was the only guy to hit multiple three-pointers. Rock solid, man. Marvin's going to be so good for this team. He, they're going to need him. Um, Three-game homestand, Indiana on Tuesday, Boston on Thursday, New Orleans on Saturday. It was a road trip that they first played the Lakers and the Clippers, so that was on back-to-back nights, and they got handled like I think everybody thought they would. Then they went to Sacramento two days after the Clippers game, one there. Then they went to San Francisco to play Golden State, one there, as we've mentioned quite a few times. Doug, Indiana got off to a bad start. Since then, they've won three straight games, I believe. That is correct. So yep. they lost to the Pistons. Neither game had Blake Griffin. They lost to the Cavaliers, start the year off 0-3. Miles Turner gets hurt. They beat the Nets, 118-108. to They beat the Cavs, get redemption on them. And then they beat the Bulls. So really haven't played in their losses or in their victories, teams that you would consider very good. But they are 3-3, and just like the Hornets. It wouldn't be crazy The way the Hornets are playing right now to see them beat the Pacers certainly aren't going to be favored, but what do you think about this game and the rest of the homestand that is coming up?
1: I think the homestand is important for, it's important for them to come back home in front of this crowd that I think is going to be increasingly interested in seeing what these young players really have to offer. And in the back of everyone's mind, every fan's mind who pays good money to go to the Spectrum Center, in the back of their mind, they're not going to be thinking of playoffs. They're going to be thinking: Is the are these players Hornets of the future, or are they just you know more flotsam or is it jetsam? I think it's flotsam. Ooh, in, that's all you, buddy. <laughs> in the in the murky waters of of Hornets players of yore that have just come in and out of this organization and not made a giant impact. Uh, so I, I think it's really important for them to come home with a lot of energy. Maybe they win that game against the Pacers. Maybe they don't. Right now, the Pacers are are putting out a a patchwork front court. They they're they're forced to start uh, or not maybe start but play B to Z good minutes. Um, and so this is a team that I think the Hornets would match up a little bit better with um, than if they were playing Miles Turner big minutes. But unfortunately, the injury bug's biting him. So I think it's a winnable game. Uh, Then Boston, I mean, that's going to be a huge emotional game for both teams. And I expect Kimball Walker to just absolutely torch the Hornets. And by the way, also revenge game for a revenge game potential for Jeremy Lamb and the Mm -hmm. Pacers. And he's put up, I think, 19 a game since coming back from, uh, uh, from missing the first few games with injury. So, yeah, I mean, I think Lamb has a lot to prove as well. And then they play the Pelicans who have, of course, not played well. Uh, losing Zion Williamson, Uh, so that won't be as exciting to watch as a fan, but uh, another winnable game there on the weekend.
0: Yeah, Locked On Pacers host Tony East, by the way, said that he doesn't think Jeremy Lamb has ever missed a shot from the elbow or the left elbow, and I don't think he has either, and it's sad. I want to see those shots from the elbow go in. Appreciate you, Jeremy Lamb.
1: Uh, Bacon's done a good job replacing that. Uh, he had a couple of uh, good elbow jumpers in that game against Golden State. So he's he has missed though in his life. I I, I have seen Dwayne Bacon.
0: I've not seen Jeremy Lamb miss that shot. I have, season. I have seen Dwayne Bacon miss that shot. Thanks for listening, and remember you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. It'll be Rick Benell tomorrow. We'll be back with you on the Locked On Podcast Network.